Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of True Crime on Easy Street. Is it snowing yet? Not yet. It's well, supposed to start, though, right? On Wednesday? No, as you listen on Wednesday, it's already happened. But we're recording on Sunday, and it's supposed to snow tomorrow. So, I guess right? what we should say is, if it did. Yeah, if it did snow. And you're listening to this, and you find yourself with some treacherous road conditions. Be careful out there. Just stay home. Yeah, stay home and listen to True Crime on Easy Street. Mm-hmm. Let's not have the getting stranded on the interstate again, like the like it, like we had yeah. several years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, out because on that. we're in the forecast for some wintry mix. Yeah, that's, uh, right. that's worse, actually. Yeah. Don't be driving. Yeah, a lot of ice. I wouldn't mind getting to stay home. A lot of folks were off on Monday, as you listen mm-hmm. on Wednesday, Holiday, because it's Martin yeah. Luther King Day. Yes, uh, but I was not. Oh, you don't unless take- it Same. snowed me out. Mediocrity is every day. I'll tell huh? you next week. Yeah, you got, you got to stick at it to keep that mediocrity level well, just in the middle. Isn't Monday the one day of the week you have to work? Yeah, sort of. It's yeah, kind of I actually have to be there anyway. For the for no the paper. What. Yeah. yeah, I got gotcha. you. So I got to do that anyway, or I okay. did that anyway. <laughs> yeah. As you listen, I'm Kelly Turner. I'm not a doctor. Scott Wright, mediocre journalist. Katie Givens, not a lawyer. I have a story to share. All right. Uh, and then if we do have any, do we have any shout outs? I've got a couple. Okay, go ahead. Do that first. You want and me then to? I'll do the story. Yeah. Okay, so Jamie Hicks reached out on Facebook uh, last week. He said he has binged listened uh, every episode. Awesome. And it's 143, counting this one. <gasps> oh, I went back and counted. Okay. So, oh, great. I thought he gave us a count. No, no, I went back and counted because he said he'd listened to them all. And we had that question a week or so ago. We, we didn't did. know how many it was. Um, he said that he's not very uh, technically technologically savvy, so he didn't know how to go onto Apple TV or I'm sorry, Apple iTunes, and give us a uh, five star review. Right. So he said, you know, this mention on Facebook will have to do. So that does just fine, Jamie. No, we that's appreciate perfect. you. Uh, if we see you out and about, we'll just take your phone from you, and we will do it. We'll for show you. you how to do that. <laughs> um, let's see. I have another one. Oh, Caitlin Jolly Gossett reached out again. Yeah, they have okay. their own podcast now. She and her sister Callie. It's called Beyond Twenty One. So if you want to find oh, out, everybody check that out. What uh, what life is like for young twenty somethings growing up and they're getting married. And I think they're going to talk about their life experiences up to okay. this point. So All right, good be curious to hear a different take on the world. Okay, I yeah, listened to the first cool. episode. It's pretty good. Good. All right. Well, everybody check that out this week. And uh, Tara Stevens is a new friend of the show. She has started listening. She's a she's a friend of ours, a former employee at Easy Street. Okay. She went to Miami with us a couple of years ago, and that was what Katie was referring to last week when she was talking about me littering the street with mm-hmm. true crime business cards. Yes. Uh, and we went there to see, we went to Miami to see John Mulaney, the comedian. Yes. Do you remember the first joke that he told? When oh. he... Congratulated us on our podcast. Yes. <laughs> the, the applause has yet to die down. He's welcoming everybody. And he says, thanks for coming out. And congratulations to you all on your new podcast. That was the first joke of the night. Scott and I looked at each other. And yeah. We're like, we can't wait to tell Kelly. That's hilarious. Anyway, that's it for shout outs. 
Awesome. So. Okay. All right. So this past week, my husband had lower back surgery, pretty invasive surgery. As if he weren't grumpy enough already. <laughs> oh. Uh, he went to, we went to Atlanta and had it done. Uh, and uh, he is doing great, getting better and better every day. But the reason I'm sharing this is we, we had a very interesting experience in the hospital one I don't even know if it was day or night. You know how it all runs together in yeah. the hospital with a tech who, who comes in to bring him his medication. And so she rolls the little cart in and it's the first time we'd ever seen her. You know, you get used to your nurse and your your tech that's on duty and, and the charge nurse because you meet them all as they yeah. go through their shift and everybody was fantastic there at um, Emory St. Joseph's. But um, this... Weird lady tech. And and I'm going to say she was probably my age or a little older, so in her 40s. Uh-huh. And she comes in and she's, um, she's scanning on the computer all the medications. You can't just hand medications to a patient. You have to scan it and it goes into okay. their chart in the system. It's yeah. a way of, They you keep know, their inventory that way. Yes, absolutely. So she's doing that and she says to us, People she just met. Did you guys see where that doctor killed his wife? Um, and it's just beep, medication, beep, <laughs> as she's talking. And she says, he gave her, and he, and she mentioned some kind of medication. I don't even remember what it was. Yeah. And she said, <laughs> she said, you would think that he would be smarter as a doctor to know that they could trace that. I mean, the way things are uh, in the hospital, and again, Beep, so she's been thinking beep, about this yeah. a lot. And DNA, you know, you would think people would know, you know, that you can't get away with that, with it that way. Mm-hmm. It was just like the way, and Kevin turns and looks at me because <laughs> he's not wanting to take anything that she's just handed Not him. now. <laughs> and I, I mean, I kind of look back at him and it, it was such a weird experience. That is strange. But she kept, she talked about a couple of other things. Uh, medical folks who had murdered people. Did, basically. She, did you mention the true you crime saying, aspect? I was no, about to no, say, no, did no. she recognize you from the true no, crime sphere? No. I don't think she had a clue who we were. And I think that this is probably why that was the only time we saw her <laughs> is I don't know that she's great with people. Yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like that's her forte. No, but... Anyways, he took he took the medicines that she she gave him, he? and he was fine. <laughs> Did you check under his pillow when you left? I'm just saying, if you're in healthcare, be careful what you wow. say yeah. to the patient as you're scanning their medication to give to them. people nutty. you don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was just a strange <laughs> but but funny uh, encounter. Hope you're so, not called ugh. to testify in a year or so. <laughs> ah! Anyways, so that that was our. Only uh, strange experience in the hospital, and it was it ended up being funny. So, and I think she genuinely was just trying to make conversation. I don't just, think she was trying to be maybe stranger. Maybe creepy. you were the first people she'd spoken to that day, and it just she hadn't remembered how to do it yet. I don't know that they give her a lot of patient time, yeah. so mm-hmm. <laughs> so she didn't really know. Back to the warehouse, Ethel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we got some sheets and towels that need to be folded. Yeah. Let you go do that. Um, but anyways, it, it was it was a, a great experience. So thought I'd share that. <laughs> well, it's good to hear that he's doing good. Yeah, yeah. So um, do we have any more 
shout outs or anything that's that's going on that we need to talk about uh, uh there's a new book out about the story of vicky white and casey white oh interesting what's it called uh it's uh it's it's gonna take a minute it's manhunt the search for vicky and casey white the good the bad the ugly they Ooh. must have had to wrap that around to the back of That's the cover. A, and who wrote it? Quite a Rick topic. Singleton is the retired Alabama sheriff who wrote the book. Okay, all right. And uh, he is the guy who led the 11-day manhunt that ended with Vicki killing herself and Casey back in custody. So I'm guessing it's or, his prison that they escaped from to begin with. Yeah, or the name did, sounded familiar. Or did she? Or did she? That's always the question. And I would love to read this book. I, uh, this is good homework for everybody because I would love to know if he addresses that and see yeah. what his take is on that. Yeah, if curious. he believes that she actually killed herself or if he thinks yeah. that... Uh, that he might, that Casey White that might, Casey have might have pulled that trigger. Yeah. And you can listen to our story about that. That's season two, episode 22 mm-hmm. from June of 2022. That's a lot of twos. <laughs> But that's when it is. Two you is your angel number. Yeah. There you go. That's that's all I have. Okay. All right. Good deal. Um, I hope that's not all you have today. That's not all I have. <laughs> so we have something special coming up at um, on Easy Street. Yes. Our sponsor mm-hmm. of the or our one of our sponsors, but our main sponsor. Yeah. Uh, where we get our namesake. Yeah. Where the the folks who bought all of our equipment. Yeah, and give us a a wonderful studio to record. They have an event coming up. We have uh, another partnering with the local community theater. Easy Street has done it again. They they are so generous and continue to partner with our local community theater. And that's Theater Center. Mm-hmm. And so what they have coming up at the, it's the. That's what I just pulled up the calendar. February 7th, 8th, and 9th. Is mm-hmm. the, it's a murder mystery interactive dinner theater. Yes. Uh, experience. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited. Yeah, it sounds about like it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be really funny. And uh, so you can go online and uh, easystreet.ticketleap.com. Perfect. And get your tickets. You can get tickets for all three shows or just one or yeah. whatever. I think they're $15 a piece. And by yeah. the time you pay the service fee, it's sixteen fifty. And Shane mm-hmm. told me last night that he's going to print out some tickets and have them available for purchase at the desk because we had a lady coming yesterday who did not want to fiddle with the internet and we yeah. didn't have any tickets. So Shane's going to make sure that we have tickets at the desk mm-hmm. uh, this week. So that people can for, purchase those. Until the show, until they sell out. Yeah. And right. each, each show, you know, will probably be a little bit different because it's interactive. Yeah. So you you could come to all three shows and probably get a different experience. Yeah, I guess maybe yes, they'll definitely. maybe they'll yeah. swap up the the victim and the who knows. Who well, knows? Yeah, it, it's no audience idea. participation, so I think yeah. it kind of it depends. Okay. So come and be ready to have a good time. You're not going to be embarrassed or called out, not or much. you're not going to have to do that. But it's just going to be a fun interaction. I don't want people to think, oh god, I've got to go, and then they're going to make me do all this. No, 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 no. It's a, it's just you know laid back audience interaction. Yeah, so have be, a good time. It won't be mortifying like forgetting the lyrics to a song in front of 200 people while you're standing on stage. Yeah, that's true. So it I can't wonder be what that that's bad. like, Scott. Ugh, it's not good. <laughs> Doesn't feel good at all. <laughs> oh. But you survived. I did. Here you are yeah. yet again. So I, you notice I have notes in my hand today. So. And I can also, you know, I was in the audience when that happened yeah. and didn't even notice. Yeah, I did. I, did, I noticed. Yeah, but I don't think. It, I think the audience maybe was just, just me because I was waiting on my cue that didn't yeah. come. Yeah. Yeah. See, I didn't even notice. She that was seven table dancers. Seven table dancers. Never knew. Yeah. So 
So I think you guys did a great job. So all, right, all good. Well, and they're going to do an even better job uh, for the murder mystery, even though Scott and Katie, you're, are, you're, you guys are not in we're it. We're not in no. it. No. Okay. Yeah, no. Are you going to go and just I, be a spectator? Yeah, I want to go see it at some point. Sure. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm going to go. I've got a work trip, but I'll be back on Friday. So I'll be at the Friday evening. I'll be okay. at Friday too, because I have class on Wednesday and Thursday. Mm. But I'll try to do Friday. Friday. It is a... A good weeknight activity, too. I mean, oh, yeah. come to the Wednesday and Thursday show. Mm-hmm. Is, that, would, is it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Yes. Okay. I would go to all three if I didn't have a work trip because yeah. I want to see the different experience. Is it going to be close? Is it That's a private event? I mean, yes. there won't be anybody else in there those three right. nights except right. for the folks who buy you their tickets. You need a ticket at the door. Okay. Right. So you get a ticket and you will have a seat mm-hmm. at a table and you can yeah. order food. Are you guys going to have a... Um, Special menu just for that night? I'm or? not sure if he's doing okay. a special menu or, or just full just menu. Just the regular menu? Mm-hmm. Okay. So either way, yeah. it'll be great. The Christmas show was a was a specialty mm-hmm. menu. Yeah. And it was great. Well, I think for this show, there's less tickets available that each night than the Christmas show okay. so that people can like be closer to the like, stage area instead yeah. of like... Not yeah. be stuck back behind the bar uh-huh. trying to interact. Yeah. Gotcha. Makes sense. Okay. All right. Well, we will... We'll be letting you know more information about that as uh, the event gets closer and closer. So, super excited. Everybody's looking at me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's time it's to get your started. Turn. You're in the big chair okay. today. And let me let me preface this before yeah. Scott gets started. Buckle up. Oh, yeah. I know a little bit about what he's going to talk about today, but I know I'm going to learn a lot more as we go through. So, just... Just get ready for absolute craziness. Are you guys ready for this? Are you sure? I don't know. No, we're not. I'm really not. There may be some R-rated language today, and it won't be any language that I admit. It'll be you muttering WTF under your breath. All right. Even if you don't say the words, you're going to do it a couple of times today as you listen to this one. I'll try to watch my language. Please do. (laughs) Uh, Check your calendars, guys. I promise. It's January out there. Mm-hmm. It's not April the first. That is not. This is not an April Fool's Day prank. Although, although this story is, uh, it has its home in a prank. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this prank is, it's much more cruel than anything that you've ever done to anyone else or had perpetrated on you, unless you have some really screwed up friends. In which case, start your own podcast. This, this is a very sinister prank, actually. Yeah. You'd have to work pretty hard to have friends that can come up with something crazier than what's going to happen today. Is that enough buildup? You think we have everybody's yeah. attention this now? Is, this is beyond calling the grocery store or the Walmart and having them page, you know, see more butts. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Or is your refrigerator running? Mm-hmm. All it's those a, kind of things. It's, it's Which you, you can't really prank call anybody nowadays. It's tougher no. now. It is it very difficult. Back in the day, Katie... Let me just tell you this. It used to be very easy to pick up your phone and pick a random number out of this thing called a phone book uh-huh. we used to have that had numbers yep. in it and it had the name. If you've seen that, people. Uh, that scene from The Jerk where the guy just randomly stabs his finger into the phone book. Mm-hmm. And you and just... Navin Johnson. Yeah. There you go. And yeah. so you... you Die, could, gas pumper. Ra- <laughs> you could randomly <laughs> call a number and whoever on the other end would answer and you could, you know, it's a prank call mm-hmm. and there was no caller ID. Now once caller ID was, uh, yeah, our star 69. Uh-huh. We're going to talk about star 69 okay. today. For All right, sure. Good. Yeah. You could, you could, uh, when someone, if someone prank called you, 
and they hung up, you could hit star six nine and it would call the number back to you yep. that just called you. But what if you star sixty seven? Star sixty seven was a way to hide your uh-huh. number. Oh yeah, that's right. Does that still work? ID. I, don't I doubt it. And to, I doubt it even. I doubt it. I think that was the way landlines were switched. Yeah, uh, we need to try that after the show. Okay, well, does anyone have a landline? Uh, well, we've got one here at the. Office. Yeah, we can try that one. All right, let's. We're going to prank call somebody after this show. <laughs> let's prank call your husband. Let's not let's get him out of bed. Let's let him rest. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, so I've watched the uh, Netflix documentary about this story that we're going to talk about today, and I have read the story in the Louisville, Kentucky Courier General that got the whole documentary started. And I did some additional research, too, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, We'll pass along some of that. We'll give you our insights about what we think happened. Don't forget, this is a team of experts, after all. Yes. So we're we're going to try to figure out how it's possible that this crime could even happen. Oh, and there's an M. Night Shyamalan-style twist right at the commercial break. So stick around for <laughs> <Uh-oh>. that. <laughs> no more foreshadowing. Tell the story. Okay, fine. Okay. Uh, well, there's something else that I wanted to do before we get the story okay. started. Okay. And, and I wanted to fill an information gap that I found because I was trying to put my mind, uh, put myself in the mind frame of someone who worked in the fast food business 20 years ago. Because this place, this story took place uh, 20 years ago in 2004. Mm-hmm. I worked in the uh, fast food I was food about industry. to ask if either of you did. Yeah. I bagged groceries at a grocery store that no longer exists here in town. Mm-hmm. But did you, I was going to ask if you guys worked in fast food. Uh, when I was at Auburn, uh, and I was at Auburn from 1997 to 2001. Okay. So you're right in the wheelhouse of... of... So I worked at a subway that was located in a gas station okay. there. So... I understand. <laughs> I, I worked at a subway for one day. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Okay, well then you guys both have more fast food experience than me. I worked at the grocery store for three years, so worked with the public and dealt with mm-hmm. complaints and mm-hmm. all the the similarities that you might. But just I was I was taking their groceries out to the car and yeah, mm-hmm. being nice for an extra dollar tip. Maybe that seems like a you job. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Mm-hmm. I learned how to deal with the public, and I've thank goodness because I've had to do it ever since. Yeah. So. Uh, we we also need to talk about at some point and not today yeah. when you worked at Disney World. Oh yeah, okay, we can do that sometime. Yeah. All right, okay. more more to come later this season. So uh, trying to get into the mind frame of these fast food workers, I went back and reread a book by Eric Schlosser. You guys remember Fast Food Nation? It was a big thing. It came out in two thousand and one. It was very it was investigative uh, dive into fast food, all aspects of it, where the food comes from, the potato farms out in the in the west, the 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 beef, the cattle producers and how it all worked mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And one of the chapters was about the workers themselves. Mm-hmm. So fast food jobs had sort of become a rite of passage for American kids. Like as we just discussed, uh, lower wages, sure, but a uh, few skills were required to do the jobs and there were flexible hours. Those were selling mm-hmm. points for kids who had other activities in their lives, maybe sports or dating or family hobbies, whatever. So, it was the best way for kids back then to earn that extra spending money to go hang out at, you know, Pizza Hut. Back when you could go sit down and eat at Pizza Hut when they had the jukebox and they the, used to be a nice restaurant. Plastic cups. 
Oh, the I love Galaga those. machine in the mm-hmm. corner. Yeah, I love that. That was where you took a date if you wanted to really impress her was the sit-down Pizza Hut. <laughs> I love to sit-down Pizza Hut. That was still a thing until... What? Did you, have you been to one of those? Yes, I it's have. Been, they used to have a buffet. Yeah, they had a buffet. Do the salad bar on the yeah. buffet and all that. The one in Gadsden, Alabama. We used to go to that one every mm-hmm. weekend. Anyway, it was the height of luxury. Oh, yeah. As John Mulaney might say. <laughs> um, but back then, it was all kids behind the counters. Mm-hmm. These days, you might see more immigrants or housewives or the elderly or handicapped people working in fast food. But back then, it was almost exclusively teenagers. And the job could actually be dangerous in 1998, according to Fast Food Nation. More fast food employees were murdered on the job than police officers. What? I didn't know that when I was an employee. (laughs) And and I was not employed there the whole time. I was employed there for about a semester. And then that was, I was kind of done. Yeah. Well, the good news about today's story is that. Uh, nobody dies, although you're gonna, we're gonna, there's gonna be one guy that you're gonna wish had gotten a really good lashing uh, before this is all over with. Anyway, so wind your brains back to 2004, back when the internet still came to you over the telephone and sounded like screaming robots doing it. In January, <laughs> or static, <laughs> or static. In January of 2004, George W. Bush was beginning his the fourth year of his first term as president. Mm-hmm. In February of 2004, uh, college loner and future billionaire Mark Zuckerberg launched his very first version of the Facebook. The Facebook yeah. to uh, just exclusively at the time to students at Harvard. Mm-hmm. And in May of 2004, the series finale of Friends aired on NBC. Almost exactly one month before 53 million TV viewers in this country alone watched Monica and Chandler adopt twins and move to the suburbs Mm -hmm. and watched Ross and Rachel finally get back together again. Spoiler alert. Yeah. (laughs) If you haven't seen it yet. Just a, a month before that happened, a phone rang in the manager's office at the McDonald's restaurant in Mount Washington, Kentucky. It was late afternoon of April the 9th, 2004. A man who identified himself as Officer Scott, no relation of mine, (laughs) called the restaurant and claimed that an employee had been accused of stealing a customer's purse. The only employee on the clock that night who fit the description provided by Officer Scott was newly turned 18-year-old Louise Ogborn. The high school senior and church-going former Girl Scout had been a model employee for the four months she'd been there so far, working beneath the Golden Arches. But when Officer Scott called the store just before five, Louise Ogborn became the prime suspect. She fit the vague general description provided by the caller, and so she was called into the manager's office. The man on the phone told assistant manager Donna Jean Summers that one of two scenarios was about to take place. Either Louise was going to be arrested and taken to jail, or Summers could personally search the employee for evidence of theft while locked in the privacy of the manager's office. Option one. Take yeah. option one. Maybe would have been a good idea. Uh, so, you know, the, the cop was saying things like, uh, we're shorthanded today. You got to help us out. If you want, if you care about your employee, you, we can just end this now, but we need you to do the strip search until we can get officers on the location. Strip search. Yep, very That's important. Right. The strip search. Yeah. So with what she thought was permission from the local police department, assistant manager Summers began her search. She led Louise into the small office, locked the door behind them, and proceeded to follow the instructions given to her over the phone. Over the phone? Following those instructions over the phone. Oh, Lord. Summers ordered Louise to remove one item of clothing at a time until she was completely naked. 
Good Lord. As Louise grabbed a cook's apron to try and cover her naked body, the assistant manager grabbed the clothes and Louise's car keys, put them in a bag, and took them out to her car, put them in the front seat because the cop said, we're going to come by and pick up the clothes in a minute. Just go put them in the car. What? None of this makes any sense. (laughs) I know. WTF, right? I told you. Good Lord. She is 18. Yeah. She's 18. And now has nothing on Mm -mm. in the manager's office of a McDonald's in Kentucky. And her possessions, all that she owns, is now in the car of the manager. Well, Summers said that after several minutes, she asked the caller why it was taking so long for the police to get there, especially since the Mount Washington Police Department was less than a mile away. That's the question she chose to ask. Yep. But as Summers explained later in court, the caller sounded official, always remained calm and professional in demeanor, and had a logical answer for any question she asked. I'm going to assume that this manager, what's the manager's name? Donna Jean Summers. Donna Jean. I'm going to assume that Donna Jean grew up in the era of prank calls. You would think she would have sniffed this out a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, Summers said later she even thought she could hear police radios in the background as the officer spoke to her over the phone. Okay. Uh, and he even name-dropped the restaurant's general manager. And got it right. And Yeah, so he mm-hmm. obviously I did mean, a little homework before yeah. he, in the day before the internet, though. A little not bit hard. I mean, not well, easy, I guess there but was not internet. hard to find. There, there was, was internet little, in 2004. Yeah. Never yeah. mind. If you've yeah, gone by the place, too, it usually has they general manager yeah. Sure, yeah. on the wall. So at this point in that office, the tears were beginning to flow. As you might suspect, Louise was standing there crying, trying to cover her body with a cook's apron. Good Lord, and obviously she doesn't have anything. Yeah, speaking of the cook, he at one point refused to go along with the caller's instructions to remove the apron and describe Louise's naked body over the phone. Good, uh, stop. No, no. Uh-uh. How the many cook, stops is that? The cook. The, the, the 18-year-old is, cook, probably. So he they said, call Bullshit, in, I'm they, not doing that. They call in the 18-year-old cook, yep. and they say to him, I need you to take the apron off and describe the suspect's naked body over the phone from head to toe. And he literally said, bullshit. I don't know if he literally said it, but he didn't do it. He basically said, you know what? I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, smelled a rat. Yeah. But. (sighs) And still, despite the fact that the cook refused, no one called the police or demanded that the search be stopped. (sighs) Young, impressionable Louise, naked and with her car keys taken from her said later that she was too scared to try and leave. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have any clothes on. She's got to walk through a McDonald's. Exactly. She needed the job too and she she knew she hadn't stolen anything. That's everybody's common nightmare is being naked in a public place. Like, you ever had that dream? Yeah, sure. That's insane. So, but you know, Louise trusted the adults who were in the room exercising their authority over her. Louise had grown up in a military family. Her mom and dad had always told her, yes, sir, no, sir. You don't question your elders. You do what they tell you to do always. Seems like always shouldn't have been. Yeah, maybe leave out the always. Now, at this point, the strip search had been going on for over an hour. Good Lord. There's no wallet. And it She's was got far, no wallet. It was far from over. Oh, my God. Because the caller said he had McDonald's corporate on the line. <laughs> and the company officials wanted to hear the investigation reach its conclusion, no matter what it took to get there. So when Summers told the voice on the phone that she was needed at the front of the store to go and handle some customer issues, Officer Scott told her to call her fiancé and have him drive down to the store. A male figure in the room would do some good, maybe. Louise wouldn't try to escape, I guess. What? So if you think that the assistant manager, Donna Jean Summers, is an idiot, 
Mm-hmm. Wait until I tell you about the guy she planned to marry. Now, wh- how did the caller? Did they figure out he had that she had a fiance? Did the caller just said, "Do you have a? Do you have a is there, husband?" Is there a, is there a or... male there that you trust, or a, a male person in your life, your husband, your boyfriend? And she said, "Sure, I'm about to get married. I'll call my fiance." Donna Jean, why? Yeah. So, 42 year old Walter Nix, the fiance, uh, he arrived at the Mount Washington McDonald's. Say the, say the age again. 42. 42. Yeah. He got there about six o'clock that night. A full grown man. Full grown man. Now, Summers at this point got her fiance up to speed. So she told him, look, there's an 18 year old girl in the office. The police are on the phone. They have some instructions for you because she's been accused of stealing. Also, Louise, uh, Louise's home in a neighboring town is now being searched by the police, which is why they can't show up yet. Because now we think that Louise is involved in drugs and we're going to need you to keep an eye on her. We're doing the police's job for them until they can get here. Oh, and by the way, she's naked. The- Married the lead, maybe, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say that if if I had said all that to, to Kevin, oh, I mean, I'm going to promise you there would have been a completely different response yeah. than what you're about to explain. Yes. For sure. What would Shane say, Katie, if you said, Shane, you, you've walked in Easy Street today, and uh, I know you've been busy, but here's what's going on. Oh, <laughs> there's yeah. no Got a naked telling. 18-year-old in the office. I need you to take I over. I need you to take over, make sure, you know, they're searching her home. I think he would have me committed. <laughs> He'd be like, how are you this stupid? You don't yeah. need to be uh, out yeah. in society. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Give me your car keys. Mm-hmm. Go uh-huh. sit. What did you take? Yeah. Yeah. Walter Nix was a father of two, an exterminator by trade, a church going man, and a little league coach from right there in Mount Washington. Oh my gosh. A good guy, friend said later, never even had a speeding ticket. At this point, the unduly deputized Nix sat down in his future wife's office chair, picked up the phone and began to follow Officer Scott's instructions. Oh no. First, Nix pulled the apron away, leaving Louise nude again, and as directed, described her body to the caller. No! What the 18-year-old said. Yeah. Screw y'all, I'm out. Then, Nix, as instructed, had Louise perform a few dance moves with her arms raised to see if she was concealing anything that would, quote, shake out. Stop! Stop! I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. Yes. (laughs) I'm not. Yeah. What? No. Take a deep breath because next came jumping jacks, deep knee bends, running in place, naked jumping jacks, standing on a swivel chair, and then standing on a desk. I mean, do we not know even when they search you when they go when you go into prison, it doesn't take this long. All this while, Louise is completely naked. I would the cook's apron thrown over a chair. I would want to say, what was in this wallet? Yeah, why is it so important? Yeah. At some point, you have to start questioning authority, right? Not yet, though. Next, as directed, Walter Nix made Louise sit on his lap and kiss him. The caller said doing so would allow Nix to smell anything that might be on her breath, such as alcohol or drugs. I'm not sure what drugs on your breath smell like. I guess if you've just smoked a joint. (laughs) But she's been in the office for an hour now. Stop. I'm just saying. I can't. She, okay. Every time Summers... You know what? I hope she farted on his lap. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Every time 
Uh, Summers unlocked the door and ducked back into the office for something. Nix handed Louise the apron so she could cover herself again as the caller instructed. When Summers left, the abuse began right where it left off. Repeatedly. For two hours. What? Two hours? Two hours. Louise said the caller sometimes wanted to talk directly to her, demanding that she refer to him as sir and do as she was told if she wanted to keep her job and avoid further legal consequences. Louise said she believed she was trapped. After all, Nick's outweighed her by 145 pounds. He was a foot taller. And as far as both people knew in that office, at that time, they were talking to the police department. Well, and Nick's is obviously a freaking moron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she can't overpower him. Right. He, he's believing everything he's hearing. At this point, Louise said she was told by Nix that the caller wanted her to kneel on the floor in front of him and undo his pants and perform a sex act on him. Like the rest of the ordeal, that sex act was captured on a surveillance camera and recorded. That is why the recounting of Louise's ordeal can be described in such detail. It was all captured on security footage from a camera on the wall in the corner of the office. Well, sure. I'm sure all of the McDonald's is, is surveilled. Probably by then, you would think, right? The what, caller... Go ahead. What was the reasoning for this? What, what could you find out from this happening? I have no idea how that was... How anybody got talked into that. They didn't go into detail on the documentary. And I couldn't find anywhere that... Because the kiss was to smell drugs on her breath. Yeah, I don't know how that could possibly... What do, what do you sense with your penis? I'm not sure. This makes me want to bang my head against a wall. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. The caller finally told Walter Nix that he could leave, but that Summers needed to find another man to replace him. And so Summers called in 58-year-old... Uh, I forget his name. He was the maintenance man who did odd jobs around the McDonald's. Uh, that man would say in a deposition later that he was shocked by what he saw, a young woman crying hysterically, naked and afraid, trying to cover herself with a cook's apron. Yeah, you know, a normal reaction to seeing this scene. So the cook yeah. and the maintenance man have said this is... They've both hit the bullshit button. This is ridiculous. Yeah. But Summers insisted to the maintenance man that it was okay for him to watch the search continue because corporate had approved it. Corporate. And she was talking to the police on the phone. But the maintenance man, as we said, called bullshit, hung up the phone, and that sudden interjection of common sense brought reality crashing down on everyone in that office. When he finally hung up the phone. Hung up the phone. What a simple little act. Yeah. Uh, That same sense of reality must have already set in for Walter Nix, who had left the restaurant uh, after the sex act. He drove a few blocks to his house, picked up the phone, called his best friend, and said, I think I just committed a felony. Shortly thereafter, the Washington, uh, the Mount Washington police agreed with that assessment, yes. and Nix yes, was did, hauled off to jail. Good, yes. good. And now comes the plot twist that I mentioned earlier, oh. because this case is indeed nuts, but it's a it's about to get nuttier. Because that call to Mount Washington, Kentucky, in April of two thousand and four was not the first fast food phone call hoax. Once the real cops in Mount Washington started looking into exactly what had happened beneath the golden arches in their town, they realized, after just a few days of investigating, that the same thing had happened before. In 1994, at a McDonald's in Saybrook Township, Ohio. And in 1999, at a Burger King in Fargo, North Dakota. Good Lord. 
and in 2000 at a McDonald's in Litchfield, Kentucky, and in 2001 at a Hooters in Charleston, West Virginia, and in 2002 at a Taco Bell in Statesboro, Georgia, and in 2003 at a Blockbuster Video, there's a blast from the past, in Bismarck, North Dakota. I could go on and on. This we don't an, have that kind of time. This is an well, epidemic. But can you imagine how many calls actually happened? Because if they got that many people, how many people hung up in their face? Yeah, you got to figure 90% of the people aren't idiots, right? So, and maybe so that's the, shooting way yes. too high. So the well, ones that you were mentioning, something actually happened. Yes, every one of those something happened. I'm not talking about the manager where they said, out in five oh, seconds. screw you yeah. and hung up the phone. Louise Ogborn was victim number 70 something. Oh my. My God! Of the fast food phone call hoax. There's no way to know for sure. 70. 70 something. Something. 70 something. The crime had been happening nationwide for 10 years in 32 states and in at least 17 other McDonald's locations around the country before the call to Mount Washington. Good Lord. Common sense is a dying art. The world has always been on fire. Right. I mean. G- yeah. Oh. In fact, Ronald and Grimace and the rest of the McDonald's gang uh, they had already been defending their actions, or perhaps their inactions <gasps> is more accurate, in at least four lawsuits stemming from other such phone call hoaxes at their restaurants around the country. So they weren't telling their people that this has been an issue? Because no. I'll tell you, if there's like a phishing email scam that goes out now, I get an email about it saying, beware, this yeah, is happening. Yeah. Don't do this. And like Don't in my do, industry, yeah. like they send out warnings. Yep. Don't, don't be an do idiot that. like these other people. Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, we're, we're all thinking good grief at this point, right? Because I've run out of F-bombs when I listened to this the first time yeah. and the second time and the third time. Why in the world would rational, normal people, even if they're a bit naive or unsophisticated, which you could argue some of these people obviously were, how could he fall for such a hoax? Why did Louise stand there and submit to this? Mm-hmm. Why did Donna Jean Summers take the caller at his word that he was a police officer? Why? In the whole wide world, would an otherwise seemingly decent man like Walter Nix allow himself to be talked into committing a sex crime while being videotaped on a security camera? Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Louise is, I know she's 18, but she's a child. Yeah. And she doesn't have any clothes on. And there's a big man in the room with her. That's right. Louise did that out of utter fear. Yes. Mm-hmm. And being completely and utterly vulnerable. Yep. I agree. Donna well, Jean is a moron. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Walter is an even bigger moron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's pretty accurate assessment. We're going to dig into it a little bit further. But yeah, Kelly basically just, yeah, she boiled it down to brass tacks for you right but there. But I mean, look, people fall for, you know, oh, there's a big sale on a, on a name brand something on the internet. People yeah. fall for that. You know, you usually fall for that once and you're like, okay, well, not going to shop there anymore. The puppy that doesn't exist. Yeah, or I'm, you know, send money to this TV preacher or whatever. I bought an in-house arcade video system one time for 70 bucks that just never showed up. Never showed up, yeah. Yeah. Learn learn my lesson on that one. People fall for that maybe once, maybe twice. You learn your lesson. This is so different. Yeah, yeah. Fool me 70 plus times. Why uh, in the world would your critical thinking skills go out the window? Mm. They apparently did. And we'll tell you more about maybe why right after this word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you in part by A&W Outdoor Services, located right here in Cherokee County, Alabama. 
It's almost time to tidy up the deck, clean the gutters, and spruce up the yard and landscaping around your home, lake house, or creekside cabin. And who better to do that for you than the professional crew at A&W Outdoor Services? Call 256-706-7964 and let Alan and his crew do all the hard work for you so you can spend your time this summer enjoying your piece of Cherokee County in clean, carefree comfort. Call Alan today for a free estimate or to get on the A&W Spring Schedule before it's full. That's A&W Outdoor Services at 256-706-7964. Hey guys, do you know what time it is? Tell us. It's time to plan your best vacation ever right here in beautiful Cherokee County, Alabama. Many outdoor adventures await. You can wet a hook in beautiful Weiss Lake, swing away at Cherokee Pines Golf Club, climb to the best year-round at Cherokee Rock Village, hike the Little River Canyon National Preserve, take a day's long splash at Pirates Bay Water Park, and there's so much more. The Cherokee County Chamber of Commerce and Tourism has a full list of recommended lodging facilities, RV sites, and campgrounds, and they're all set up to suit your vacation needs, whatever they may be. So come see us from wherever you are located. And if you already live right here in Cherokee County, then plan your summer staycation with the Chamber by visiting cherokee-chamber.org. And thank you to all of our wonderful sponsors. Scott, I don't, I don't know if this can get more messed up, um, but can I'm you make sca- us I'm feel scared. better I've, about it I've, at all? I've got some more notes. Oh, gosh. Okay. Okay. All right. So exactly what in the world was it that made young Louise Ogborn and assistant manager Donna Jean Summers and soon to be former fiance Walter Nix behave the way that they did? I don't even think you can throw Louise in there. Louise is a I victim. I think you can. She's a one. She is definitely victim. a victim. That's right. But, but, but she's why the victim. Did, but why? So why willingly. would she? Is it, yeah. is it because her father was in the military and that's just the way that she'd already taught Authority. it? Authority. Always been taught. Um, we'll get into some thoughts about that. But first, let's talk a bit about, a bit more actually, about exactly what happened on yeah. the, uh, once the Mount Washington police got to the McDonald's. Because who I finally ha- called them? I'm yeah. sorry, Katie. No, 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 go, no, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, go I'm ahead. assuming the, the, Maybe maybe Donna Jean did, or the maintenance man. Somebody called the real police, and they were there shortly. Probably I'm the sure. maintenance man who hung up. I, w- I bet. I mean. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. I wish the cook had, but um, I, um, hopefully the maintenance man did. But you said they they were less than a mile away. The police station That's was right. less than a mile away. Yeah. I mean, kind of how our town's set up. I would be like... Come on down. Yeah, we'll see you when you get here. Yeah. Like, that's what I was about to say. I just can't believe, like, and so we would just have to be different people because mm-hmm. I, Shane gets on to me about this all the time. He's like, why do you have to question everybody and everything? And I'm like, that's just how my brain works. I don't know. He's like, just take my word for it. I was like, I, I physically can't take your word yeah. for it. Yeah. I got to double check that. Yeah, yeah, I do. And I don't, I don't know why, mm-hmm. like, but I just do. So, I mean- Exactly, Katie. Okay, Officer Scott, come on down and do the strip search yourself yeah. or mm-hmm. take her to in. Like I said, call her in. every time he was questioned, he was, yes, ma'am, I understand. Uh, we've got officers on the way. They'll be there as soon as we can. We're understaffed today. We're, we're looking into the drug situation at Louise's house. We think her brother is involved in some nefarious dealings. And so we're there right now. We need you to hold her. We'll be there as soon as we can get there. Owen, please continue the strip search until we get there. Absolutely not. I'm laughing because it's so ludicrous. Yeah. If you you didn't laugh, you'd cry. 
Exactly. Yeah. One detail that was unique about the Mount Washington phone call uh, was that was that security video footage that yeah. I mentioned. Most of the dozens and dozens of other fast food phone call hoaxes that quickly began to come to light after the sexual assault on Louise were primarily comprised of victim statements and nothing else. Okay. Uh, oh, they didn't have So finally cameras. in Mount Washington, they had video evidence that There's this had happened. Here. Okay. For 10 years, other police departments around the country had largely ignored the reports of these hoaxes when they came in, either because they found the accusations too hard to believe Mm -hmm. or because they were nearly impossible to substantiate. Another factor to consider, most of the hoax calls, uh, they occurred in smaller towns, many of them off the beaten path, seemingly selected at random, where smaller police departments lacked the resources and funding to conduct comprehensive investigations. Yeah, I mean, they didn't really have time. And and if there's no hard evidence to support what everybody's saying, that's really hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, In fact, the lone investigator in the Mount Washington Police Department, he was the guy who was working the case. He initially suspected he was dealing with a local pervert or an over-the-top high school prank or an angry Mm ex-boyfriend or a disgruntled former McDonald's employee. I would say all of those options are worthy of looking into. He began his investigation at the payphone in the parking lot at the Winn-Dixie across the street. Okay. You know what? That checks out, yeah. That'd be good because you could, you'd have a vantage point. Right. You, you knew the area. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You could see the police department and the McDonald's and maybe this guy just got his jollies off watching the police respond to a situation. Maybe. Right. It was only after the investigator uh, realized that the phone call or that the payphone across the street was a dead end, he did a Google search of McDonald's strip search and then he realized immediately that he was dealing with a serial sexual predator who had been operating at will for years. Mm. Just from a quick Google search. Now, what year is this again? 2004. Before long, it became apparent that there was indeed a small town aspect of the criminal's MO, uh, perhaps because the kids in the rural areas were more more willing to submit to the adults in the positions of authority. Also, perhaps those less worldly wise adults were more, uh, were less rather suspicious of someone on the phone proclaiming that he had authority and then so resolutely asserting it over them. He was picking on people he deemed small town stupid people. I'm trying mm-hmm. to avoid using the words gullible and naive, but that's where I'm going. Small what else? I'm what trying to be use? nice. Yeah, I mean. They are gullible and naive. Who believes yeah. this? Who falls for this? Yeah. And why fast food establishments? Well, we kind of went into that. Before this crime spree was over, just about every major fast food chain in the country had fallen victim at some point. Taco Bell, Hardee's, Burger King, Applebee's, and oh yeah, 17 other McDonald's locations. And as you guys know, I like to circle back to things. So hang on to that little McNugget because we're going to need it in a minute. (laughs) Okay. All right. So why fast food establishments? First of all, no other industry in the United States employed a workforce at the time so dominated by adolescents as fast food. Mm -hmm. Kids open these places in the morning. They close them at night. They work there all day. And uh, teenagers were the perfect candidates for these jobs because they were less expensive to hire than adults and because their youthful inexperience made them easier to control. Mm-hmm. Also, just part-time work. Yeah. Yeah, and part-time work is easier to staff. And you know. mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so the fast food industry started in 1940 uh, when the McDonald's brothers opened their first restaurant in San Bernardino, California. They, they wanted to set up this Henry Ford-style assembly line, which wasn't a thing at the time. 
Uh, they called it the speedy service system, and it's still what's in use, uh, a, a modified version of it mm-hmm. at McDonald's and every other fast food restaurant in the world today. Right. One kid focuses on the buns, one kid does the patties, one kid makes the fries, one kid pours the shakes. Anybody can learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. That kid's not going to be there long anyway, so you want to make it as easy as possible to train the next guy. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you hire the teenagers. Okay, so I said that we were going to uh, try and understand where everybody was coming from, uh, Louise and Donna Jean and Walter, while they were having this hoax perpetrated on them. So let's try that. Kelly, warm up your voice because I want your input on some of what I'm about to talk about, which is social psychology. Oh. You guys ever heard of the Stanford Prison Experiment? Yes. There's a 2015 film about it that stars uh, Billy Crudup and Ezra Miller. I watched it. Okay. How it's was pretty it? interesting. And apparently it's very, it sticks to the facts very closely. Okay. Before Ezra Miller lost his mind? Yes. This was 2015. Mm. So he still was in one piece then, I think. Maybe. That we know of? Yeah, as far as we know. So this experiment was conducted at Stanford in 1971, in the summer of 71. 24 adult males were randomly assigned to be either a guard or a prisoner for what was planned to be a two-week experiment. A coin flip determined which person was which. I've seen this movie. Long story short, the professor, his name was Philip Zimbardo. He was the psychologist who put together this uh, experiment. He had to cancel it after six days because the randomly selected guards became increasingly brutal and sadistic towards the randomly selected prisoners. Domineering behavior by the guards so much that the prisoners more and more readily submitted to their orders every day that passed. It was out of control. Yes. The experiment has been largely discredited in the decades since it was conducted, but the results are still pointed to as sort of an explanation for why Louise and Donna Jean and Walter behaved the way that they did in the office. The studies regained some uh, credibility 40 years later now because you guys remember the Abu Ghraib prison incident in Iraq when the U.S. soldiers were torturing and taking pictures, sadistic things. Mm-hmm. So this study got pointed to a lot during the trial of all of those officers and soldiers who were finally uh, convicted of crimes yeah. in that spree. Yeah. If you're interested, there's a book about the Stanford Prison Experiment written by Professor Zimbardo, Uh, In 2007, it's titled The Lucifer Effect, Understanding How Good People Turn Evil. And there's one other famous obedience experiment from uh, the 1960s at Yale University conducted by psychologist Stanley Milgram. Uh, It has also been pointed to in an attempt to try and explain how our fast food phone call hoaxer could convince people to do what he wanted. Uh, just briefly, uh, briefly, the experiment involved ever-increasing electric shocks administered by one subject to another, all at the direction of a lab coat-wearing supervisor. Yes. Uh, there actually was no shock. No, the, uh, the person on the receiving end of the shock was an actor. Yeah, he was part of the experiment. Part of the experiment. Don't ever sign up for a psychological experiment. It's never about what you think it is. Yeah, that's what happened here. Yeah, so they would say, you know, turn it up to two and administer the shock. Yeah. And then the, the actor would respond and then they'd say, turn it up to four. And yeah. 
at some point the actor starts begging and and pleading to not be shocked anymore and people just But the guy in the lab coat's telling says, you to do it. Do it again. 65% of the people of the subjects yeah. continue, continue to, to hit shock. the button. Yeah. Uh, simply because the guy in the lab coat told them all to. the way up to 10, wasn't it? Did it go to 10 or did it go? It went, it went up to high enough that it was a shock that it said right on the board was, uh, could be fatal very dangerous, or, yeah, could very, possibly could, fatal. Yeah. And they're yeah. 65% and they're went all the way to the top hitting the button. Yeah. Uh, Milgram, uh, wrote this about the results. He said the following, Ordinary people simply doing their jobs and without any particular hostility on their part can become agents in a terrible destructive process. Moreover, even when the destructive effects of their work becomes patently clear and they are asked to carry out actions incompatible with fundamental standards of morality, relatively few people have the resources needed to resist authority. It's, it's just, like I said, you know, Use your critical thinking skills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you take a psych class, they should cover this. They should right. cover your critical thinking skills. Yeah. Uh, Milgram's book from 1974 is titled Obedience to Authority, An Experimental View, if you want to read that. I read the first 30 pages and yeah. got enough. Yeah, so there's there's this anecdote, and, and, and guys, stop me if I've told you this before, but I'll be very brief with it. Yeah. It kind of goes along with this about just conforming to something. And... Um, it, you know, grandma, grandma's famous cake recipe. And your mom tells you that you must use two pans to make it. You got to use two pans. Why do you have to use two pans? Well, that's the way grandma did it. Right. So you go to grandma, grandma, I want to make your special cake, but uh, why do you know, two pans has got to be two pans. All I have is a one big pan. No, you used to, you got to use two. So you know, why? Cause that's the way great grandma did it. So you go to great grandma, <laughs> should she still be alive? And you say, great grandma, why in the world? You know, I've got a big pan and I want to make your, your famous cake. I want to, you know, I got a big pan and great grandma goes, that's fine. Use it. But I thought you have to have two pans. Well, that's all I had. So that's what I used. Right. Yes. Yeah. But it, you know, question, mm-hmm. questioning things is, can be a good, a good thing. It's yeah. just like, why wouldn't you use the big pan? I mean, yeah, I'd have loved ahead. to have a big pan back in the day. Dang, you got a big pan? Do it. <laughs> I mean, you know, so it's, it's, be careful about that, yeah. just conforming and, and, you know, oh. so yeah, yeah, All that's right. a good study to reference for this. So, uh, back to the investigation, mm-hmm. the Mount Washington police are there. We focused on Louise because what took place in Mount Washington, finally, like I said, the crime had, there was some evidence. We camera. Had the, we had the camera footage. Mm-hmm. And so the Mount Washington police detective, uh, he got immersed into this case, among other more obvious reasons, because it turned out that Louise Ogborn was his neighbor. Detective Buddy Stump and Louise's dad were childhood friends. Mm. So Detective Stump became determined to get to the bottom of who, uh, to find out who was responsible for what had happened in his jurisdiction. And as he said in the Netflix documentary, quote, throw that guy's ass in jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was personal for Detective Buddy Stump. Well, and it, I mean, I'm sure her military father wanted someone's oh, yeah. ass in jail or yeah. someone's ass something. Yeah, maybe Stump's trying to prevent a homicide mm-hmm. in his town if that mm-hmm. guy finds out who did it. Uh, and it, guys, if it sounds like I'm trying to make fun of Detective Buddy Stump, I'm no. not. I'm not. Um, he was the plaid shirt with snaps wearing, mm-hmm. cowboy hat toting, mm-hmm. 
salt and pepper beard of a local policeman. He's a very likable guy yeah. when you watch when the you documentary. Watch, you, you can't help but like, I would love to sit and have a beer with that guy. Love he it. He just sounds like he would be a hoot to sit down and talk and to. And a lot of common sense. Common sense. Very refreshing yeah. Yeah. in this story. Yeah, zero bullshit from this guy. Yeah. Um, but he was the guy who was unfortunate enough to get this case dumped in his lap. Uh, when Buddy Stump got the call from his assistant chief to report to the McDonald's and, quote, see what the hell was going on. <laughs> his words, not mine. Well, I agree. Uh, he had been the department's only detective for less than one month. In fact, uh, he took that call at home on his day off when Buddy Stump's superior asked him what he was doing. Buddy Stump said, quote, watching training films. That was a joke inside the police department because everybody knew that Buddy Stump's favorite TV show was old reruns of the Andy Griffith show. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. Uh, so in addition to the security camera footage, one of the employees at the Mount Washington McDonald's had the forethought to dial star 69. <laughs> before anybody else called. Not after Donna they Jean, hung up though. The phone. Apparently not Donna Jean, probably the cook. Um, and sort of, uh, it sort of helped to figure out where the call had originated. Mm -hmm. And I say sort of, and I'll explain. But first, uh, Star 69, we kind of talked about it. It's called the last call return feature, technically. When you had a landline, you could punch Star 69, like Kelly's already said. And it would, is that what it did? It announced in your ear, it would give you it the would, numbers? It would it just called it back. It called it back, right? But did if you it? had a digital, I thought it robotically called the number back to you, but maybe it did. Just oh yeah, call it. I thought it. Maybe just, that was a future. I thought it just dialed the number. Not, and see, it probably I, I just got confused about that too. Maybe it did. And I then maybe know. once you've dialed it back, then if you call the phone company and say, "Hey, document what phone number I just dialed," mm -hmm. or maybe. you answer the phone and say, "This is Scott Wright. How may I help you?" Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> you well, this guy did not answer. Officer Scott. That's how you yeah. do <laughs> when he picked up. So he had the phone number, did Buddy Stump, but the phone number didn't go anywhere, which was confusing and confounding for a little while until he figured out the details. It eventually was discovered that the call to the Mount Washington McDonald's and a vast majority of the other hoax phone calls had been placed using long-distance calling cards. Oh, okay. Which were a thing that Katie mm -hmm. might have heard of or it's maybe It's kind not. of like a prepaid option yeah. back no, in the day. No, I don't know what long-distance calling cards Because long-distance phone calls used to cost extra money on your phone bill. Yeah, you had local service line. for a certain fee and then it was 10 cents a minute, 15 cents a minute. It was a, there were wars. You would you would go back and forth between phone companies depending on who got you the best deal on long distance service. Correct. I think I remember when long distance calls cost money, but I had no use to make long distance yeah. calls, yeah. so I didn't need to worry about that. Right. And like right. no one in my family really did either. Well, and you know, now you can just buy a, a burner phone. <laughs> it's kind yeah, of the equivalent the to a, version. a a burner phone. The, the modern version of a, yes. of a calling card. Yes. Yeah. So you go purchase a calling card and you'd use that and it paid for your long distance. Hmm. Yeah. Where were, uh, so it was coming from a, a calling card, right. but where? Uh, there's no way to know because calling cards are anonymous. Okay. You can't trace it. Okay. And that's what they're told initially. Okay. Um. There are a lot of additional details about about what happened next in the investigation, but for the sake of brevity, I'm going to skip a few. You can fill in all these blanks if you watch the three-part series on Netflix called Don't Pick Up the Phone. I'm sorry, Don't Answer the Phone. Mm -hmm. 
It's uh, one or the other. Is it don't pick up the phone or don't? don't pick up the I phone. think it is don't pick up the phone. Let me make sure. I think that's. I a, mean, it should say, dear Lord, for the love of, yeah. of all that's that's yeah. good, don't, don't pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. But yeah, Detective Stump is it don't pick up the phone. So Detective Stump and a couple of other cops who were working on the case, and these guys are working independently. They they all start to find each other as this case starts to come together. Mm-hmm. Um, they track the long distance calling card. Finally that was used to make the Mount Washington phone mm-hmm. call to a payphone in Panama City, Florida. Of course. Of course it was in Panama <laughs> Every, City. All, everything crazy goes back to Florida, doesn't it? Especially yeah, at this time in history. Panama City. <laughs> yeah. It turned out that those phone cards, uh, after 9-11, the phone companies made those phone cards traceable. They okay. didn't want anybody to know about it. Someone got a brain. Mm. Good for them. But they and didn't I'm want guessing, anybody to know about it. Well, it was probably a liability issue. They probably found out that some of the 9-11 hijackers used prepaid phone, uh, uh, long-distance calling mm, cards yeah. to stay in touch with each other. And they're thinking, let's prevent a lawsuit in case this ever gets yeah. discovered yeah. and makes the news. Anyway, so now the cards can be traced to the phones where they were used. Mm-hmm. And that's how they figured out about Panama City, Florida. And if you're not familiar with Panama City, Florida, you probably got some idea from the uh, reaction from everybody in the studio. <laughs> we have all... This, Panama been. City is where you go around here when you're a teenager and it's spring break. Yeah. Where, is that still you, a big thing? No, but uh, where you used to go. That's yeah. where I went on my Panama trip. City Beach and then Panama City yeah. is across the big bridge. Right. But it's all right there. Anyway, yes. so it's a hoot and a holler. And it is. you'll just have to find out for yourself if you're not familiar <laughs> it's, with it. Yeah, it's not the same anymore. And you know, there's like a whole thing in... March, you can't have alcohol on the beach in Florida. Yeah, they're uh, they're okay. trying to clean trying to get it up. Rid of the spring yeah. break yeah. aspect. Yeah, it's a you know if Club La Vila's not there anymore. <laughs> Club La Vila. Wow. All right. So as Detective Stump said in the documentary, and I'm quoting again: 300 million people in the United States, and we had it narrowed down to one guy at a Walmart. Stump couldn't believe it. it seemed pretty obvious to him that he had the guy. Mm-hmm. One guy in a Walmart in Panama City yeah. is that is the busiest Walmart in the world, I yeah, think. I if you've ever if you've ever been there. They got security footage that was pointed okay. down at the registers at the Walmart. A man okay. was quickly, fairly quickly tracked down and he was arrested. And as the detective uh detectives had suspected, the man who purchased the calling cards used in the Mount Washington McDonald's call was a wannabe cop. Mm. <laughs> He actually worked in the state prison system. He'd applied for multiple police officer jobs through the years. He'd been a a, a, a deputy. He'd wrote, ridden around on uh, night patrols with other officers. This guy wanted to be a police officer. But why wasn't he? So he knew the lingo. I don't know. Maybe okay. he was a weirdo. He, maybe. He had a job. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he got a job at one of the prisons in the area. And he was still working at that job. That's right. He was a Florida corrections officer. His name was David Stewart. He was arrested and and he was charged with impersonating a a police officer and solicitation Mm -hmm. of sodomy for what happened at the Mount Washington. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. He was extradited to Kentucky and eventually he was brought to trial and he eventually was acquitted for lack of evidence. Oh, I know. Even though every bit of evidence that had been compiled pointed straight to this guy and no one else. 
Well, it doesn't it matter a, if it doesn't point to anyone else. You got to prove your case right. against that person. So that's right. the jur- was it a jury? The jury said it was impossible to prove that David okay. Stewart had actually placed the phone calls, although the phone mm. cards were found in his possession. Mm. And those phone calls were linked to at least nine mm-hmm. hoax phone calls. Those phone cards. So see, that yes. is, that's good evidence that... It doesn't have to be DNA or, or to, to, to be... Pretty good circumstantial that's evidence. good evidence. Seems like it. It seems like if you put that in front of 10 different juries, you would just get a, a mixture of mm-hmm. verdicts yeah. from that. I know. And I, this just you know, happened to be the, the no vote. And it's they, maddening. They just, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, here's something else you're not going to like. Ugh. In the Netflix documentary, there was an interview with the lawyer who defended the acquitted suspect, David okay. Stewart, and right. he looked right into the camera. Right into it. Without a hint of a smile and answered a question posed to him this way, and I'm quoting, he said, is my client innocent? I know my client is not guilty. Ugh. Well, Katie, I- help heard, me with that. <laughs> I've heard lawyers say, well, who? show me an innocent man. Yeah, oh, sure. Lord. Yeah, yeah, I mean that. Okay, that is a point. But what we're talking about in this moment, in this time, mm. is did your client create all of this chaos? According to a jury, and my you client is not absolutely guilty. believe that he did based on your answer. Now you didn't say that, yeah, because you're trying to play a little mind game. I did his job. He did his job. He did. Tiny bit of good news here, but Tiny. the jury is the one who yeah. ultimately says that's right. So. Tiny bit of good news is that after the suspect was arrested, the fast food hoax phone calls stopped nationwide and have never happened again. Shocker. Remember I said earlier that this phone call hoax happened dozens of times over the years, beginning in 1994 in 32 states. And importantly here for the rest of the story, here's our little McNugget from earlier. 17 other times at McDonald's. Mm Mm-hmm. That was his favorite thing to target. Based on that revelation, Louise Ogborn sued McDonald's for $200 million. Mm, claiming, because it had happened. Yes. They were not, they, they should have been telling their Claiming their that McDonald's folks. corporate had failed corporate, to yeah. warn their restaurant management teams around the country that the hoax calls had been taking place mm-hmm. for years. Seems mm-hmm. valid. Yeah. Remember it McDonald's. It seems like it wouldn't be worth it if it were one call that really went nowhere. Yeah. But you've got all these incidences where it went somewhere. They'd already settled other lawsuits It McDonald's went somewhere, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's... And they were still keeping it quiet. Yeah, that's... How much money did Louise get? We'll get you there in just a minute. Oh, At okay. one point Sorry. during the civil trial, uh, it even became known that the head of security for McDonald's recommended several uh, improved measurements to make sure that this didn't happen, and he was ignored. Mm-hmm. Good it for cost, him, though. He's it, trying to do his job. It costs more to fix it than to just let it stay broken. Mm. And so this jury in Kentucky. An email? To send an email I to know, right? everybody that this is I happening? I think those went out, and I think that just didn't turn out not to be enough. You can't make sure somebody reads an email. Hold up. Wait a minute. They sent out emails? I don't know, but I mean, McDonald said, look, we, we tried to spread the word. Via email? I'm not sure if in it was email. Maybe it was snail mail. I mean, even if an email went out, yeah. that's something. Yeah. Well, this jury at mm. Louise's civil trial, mm-hmm. uh, it was a four-week-long trial, including three hours of security footage from the strip search. The jury saw every bit of it. Ooh. So they voted to slap McDonald's with a hefty fine for their negligence, despite the company's claim that they were in no way responsible for what happened to Louise or any of their other employees. Mm-hmm. Now, Louise, uh, Louise did not get the $200 million. 
But after 13 hours of deliberation, the jury did give her $6.1 million. Okay. All right. The jury also awarded $1.1 million to Donna Jean Summers. What? Who sued McDonald's. She claimed that corporate had never warned her about this happening. And her life was over because yeah. her, her career was ruined. It, she'd been all over the newspapers. She was never going to work again. She said in court that it ruined her life. I'm sure that it did. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I agree with her being successful in suing them, but, you know, that's not for me to say. Well, Summers was ultimately placed on probation for a misdemeanor conviction in relation to the incident. She entered, uh, Katie, help me out, an Alford plea. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. I was supposed to look that's, that up. So I, that's I when think you the say, points, you've got enough to convict me. I'm not saying that I'm guilty, but whatever. Basically, I'm it throwing is, myself on the mercy of the court. Yeah. Yeah, but the case is closed. We're not going to, yeah. you know, if it, if it were... Yeah, it's kind it, of like, it avoids trial. It does. Okay. It's kind of like what uh, ultimately the uh, West Memphis Three ended up doing. Yeah. To get out of jail. Right. They basically said, we understand... That you think we did it. We're not saying that we did it. It's kind of a guilty plea. Why is the actually. West Memphis Three not on our list? No, Shouldn't it, it is. It, it is. But you're but saying it, but you I'm avoid guilty. trial and... They said okay. that... Uh, to get out of prison, and so, but but the case is closed. Right. It's a weird, it's a weird thing, because they had already done so much time. Yeah. In West Memphis, Are we ever going to do that story? We should do that. I don't know. We could. I, mean, I don't we should know. totally do that. Walter Nix, he got five years in prison for sexually abusing Louise, and I believe he served two of those years. Mm. Uh, Donna Jean's one point one million dollar settlement was reduced to four hundred thousand on appeal. Okay. McDonald's also appealed the jury's decision in favor of Louise, of course. But in 2009, the Kentucky Court of Appeals upheld the verdict in favor of Louise and added interest and attorney's fees to the $6.1 million, knocked it up to $10.9 million. Wow. McDonald's appealed that decision to the Kentucky Supreme Court. And in 2010, before the case was heard, Louise and McDonald's settled for $1.1 million. What? Kentucky is a very conservative state. No, I wanted her to. Oh. And I'm sure that they were thinking about something that had happened in another case. There was uh, a victim in Georgia who had sued and gotten her way through the court system. A judge threw out the lawsuit that she had filed against Taco Bell ultimately, and in his written decision, berated the victim for being so naive and gullible. It's not even the company's fault. He said, it's 100% your fault. You're wasting the court's time. So I'm sure that McDonald's attorneys slid that piece of paper across the negotiating desk. And it scared. They said, you want a million dollars and just call it a day? And somebody said, yes. I just feel disgusted by that. Yeah. If you want to learn more about this series or this story, the series is the three-part thing on Netflix. It's called Don't Pick Up the Phone. It's a good place to start. It's very well done. Yeah. It I'm, is. Gonna, I'm going home and I'm watching it again yeah. today. I watched it three times this week. The Wikipedia file on the McDonald's uh, phone call hoax, it's a pretty detailed. There's a lot of information there. Uh, there's an episode of Law & Order Special Victims Unit based on the Mount Washington case. The late, great Robin Williams played the role of the caller. Oh, I love him. Yeah. Uh, there's a movie from 2012 called Compliance that tells the story of what happened to Louise Ogborn. Uh, it stars, among other actresses, Dreema Walker. Katie, you know her? Mm-mm. It's from Gossip Girl. She's an actress oh, that was on no. Gossip Girl. I never watched. Uh, the I film, did. I bet I know who yeah. she is then. The film got mostly positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. It's called Gripping and Disturbing, and you can underline <laughs> disturbing. Yeah, it's very disturbing. Yes. 
Um, there's also an ep- episode of My Favorite Murder. That's the podcast mm-hmm. that I don't listen to regularly, but sometimes uh, they covered this in August of 2022. And I didn't listen to it before because I didn't want it to, I didn't want to steal anything from them. So, <laughs> yeah. got, but I want to listen to it now. Definitely want to listen to them. There's so many different angles on this story that you could have approached it from a hundred different ways. And it's just, it just, it was nutty. So uh, nutty is a great word for that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, guys, come on now. Public service announcement. Just, <laughs> you know, it, it, where do I even start with a public service I, announcement? Just use this? your common sense, everybody. Let's critical, critical thinking skills. Let's question things yeah. before we buy them over the internet, before we do what a caller tells us or a text message or an email, mm-hmm. you know, you can just delete those. It's okay. Don't click those email links. Yeah. If it seems too good to be true, it probably it is. It probably uh, is. Don't, don't send wire transfer. Yeah, good don't, Lord. don't eat yellow snow. No, don't do that. All right, we may get some of that. Uh, maybe we've already had it here. Uh, guys, don't forget to say something nice about us at Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Give us a five-star review. Mm-hmm. Leave those four-star reviews and on down to yourself. Follow us on Facebook. We, we don't have a 750 followers yet, but we'd love to have that by... Uh, Kelly's birthday, which is March the 17th. So let's see if we can do that. Uh, Follow us on Facebook. (laughs) Go to truecrimeoneasystreet.com. Say something nice about us there. Well, there's nothing to say there, but you can find out some stuff about us and it'll give you a link to listen to the show. Yeah, you can say something on our Spotify links too. Yes. Do that. All right. Anything else, guys? Is that it? We're done? Good night, everybody.